Season's over. The Chiefs fall to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sunday night had to wait seven extra hours for this one because of the ice storm, or at least the hype of an ice storm. Uh, and uh, it turned out that uh, the Chiefs uh, pretty much, they, it was like they were moved to the main event. They were promoted to the main event, the final game of uh, playoff games this weekend. And uh, just didn't go Kansas City's way. And uh, we're going to talk about that. I'm your host, Farzine Vesugian. Thank you guys, as always, for downloading and listening to the Chiefstone Podcast on iTunes. If you're a new listener, hey, uh, it may be the end of the season, but it's never too late. The offseason talk is going to continue. Uh, I'll, I'll let you guys know what's going to happen with the podcast during the offseason. We will do another Chiefs Don't Podcast for 2017. Uh, but in the in the next, obviously, we'll be doing it a lot less now that the Chiefs are out. We'll probably be doing it consistently once a week until the Super Bowl. After the Super Bowl, after that, I may take uh, a couple of weeks off unless there's, um, unless there's big breaking news uh, regarding the Kansas City Chiefs. But uh, we'll talk about that later on, more at the end of the show. But if you are a first-time listener, please hit the subscribe button. If, you, if you've already done that, let a friend know about it. Share the podcast with them. Uh, I always appreciate it when you guys post that on social media, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, spread the word. Speaking of Facebook and Twitter, give my Facebook page a like, facebook.com slash And Yes, you heard that right, facebook.com slash Vesugian. I just changed the name of that Facebook page, so that's a new name, still the same exact page, just a different name, a better name, as a matter of fact, that's actually my full name, Farzine Vesugian, what do you know? Uh, so I have that now as my Facebook page, so if you haven't, give it a like, and by the way, we did the Facebook Live at halftime and after the game, uh, I don't know what happened at halftime, I did it from my iPad, and apparently the audio just did not work, I have no idea why, I did it after the game from my iPhone, and that went much better and we actually had a lot of participation i was actually wondering why no one was responding to anything i was saying on halftime so essentially i was talking to myself if, if you care to see that uh i decided not to delete the video uh it's up there on our facebook page go ahead and uh, uh if you if you're still recovering if you still need something to laugh about go laugh at that right there so that's still up there for you but we did it after the game and it was a lot of fun i had never done a facebook live before and we had a lot of interaction. I actually went almost 40 minutes longer than I had anticipated. So I do appreciate everyone who joined and was part of that. We're going to do some of that later on, as I promised uh, at the end of the Facebook Live video. I definitely want to do one on the first day of free agency, maybe the first couple of days of free agency, just kind of recap and touch on uh, free agency activities. Hopefully the Chiefs can get involved this year and definitely going to do it at the draft as right before the Chiefs pick and then talk about that Chiefs draft pick for a little bit. So definitely had a lot of fun doing that. I want to do it again in the future with you guys. If you guys want to stay tuned and uh, get a notification when when I go live, and I'm not going to do it often, only for big events, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Yes, and also give me a follow on Twitter at Farzine21. Follow me. Tweet at me. Got a lot of interaction, obviously, this past uh, week. Well, uh, on Sunday, a lot of hype, and, and I'll tell you what, I, I was really excited. Uh, you know, the the bad thing about a earning a one or two seed is you have that tease right there, that 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 bye week where you have to wait an extra week, and because of this anticipation of a of a major ice storm that didn't even end up occurring, really. Uh, <laughs> And by the way, we had to wait seven extra hours. And by the way, if my voice sounds different, I do apologize. A lot of screaming, hooting, and hollering at the TV 
during the game on Sunday evening. So if I sound a little different, that might be why. But I'm still doing the podcast. Still got to do it. Uh, a lot to talk about here. But uh, here's the thing. Meteorologists, man, they can get away with a lot of things. If I if I mispredict or if one of my predictions are wrong for a game or if anyone in the media predicts something wrong or report if they have an inaccurate report they get hosed by the public meteorologist nah no big deal yeah you're gonna have to talk about it with your news director but that's it and news directors man oof uh when there's an ice storm they know how to drive the ratings up send send a reporter out on the streets to talk about the street as if I can't do that on my own, I can't go and check out the streets in front of me uh, on my driveway. Go check out the uh, go check out the uh, Ace Hardware, all the sh- all the shovels and and salt that people are buying. Go to the grocery store. Let's have a cameraman there to to, to catch all the action. People lined up with uh, milk and uh, uh, loaves of bread. First of all, this is not the zombie apocalypse. Like, this is not The Walking Dead. Um, <laughs> people were freaking out over this. Uh, I, I was at Walmart. Everyone around me had water, cases of water, milk, uh, bread. I had ice cream, cookies, and beer on my card. That is what I wanted for this possible snowstorm. Because I anticipated staying in all, all weekend. Fortunately, I didn't have work over the weekend. So, you know, it, it, it is the weekend when all this was anticipated to come, uh, but nothing happened, and it's just people panic, like people were buying batteries and, and, and clothes and blankets, I did not buy a single loaf of bread, water, nor milk, I think we really, people act like they've never seen an ice storm before here in Kansas City, it, it's amazing, and on top of that, they canceled school on Friday all across the metro. And, and listen, I'm only talking Kansas City. I don't know what happened in Wichita. Maybe some of you guys down there got hit. Uh, but here in Kansas City, nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. <laughs> Schools went out. And by the way, if you're one of those people that took off work on a Friday just because of the storm, uh, you're lazy. You're you're just freaking lazy. I'm sorry, but... This is why you don't buy into meteorologists every single time. It's asinine. It just is. You know what else is asinine is the chief season coming to an end. Uh, let's 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 talk about that. Uh, and uh, by the way, uh, we'll we'll recap the loss. We'll we'll, we'll touch on where the franchise is now. Uh, a lot of people want some change here, and I get that. People were emotional after the loss. I want to touch on Tyreek Hill. I said I would do it this podcast. I know people are not fans of this topic. Chiefs fans don't want to hear it, but just give me two minutes of your time. It's going to be a very short topic. I've got something I really want to ask you fans the next time you get so sensitive and defensive about Tyreek Hill. I'm not, by all means, I'm not saying you can't root for him. That's not what I'm going to say. So just hear me out and let me explain what I what I have to say about this. And the last thing is uh, Alex Smith's future with the Chiefs. And w- what's going on? What, Where can this franchise go with Alex Smith? Can they win a Super Bowl with him? I'm going to answer that and explain what I think the Chiefs should do at that position moving forward. 
First things first, though, the Chiefs, first team in NFL history to score multiple touchdowns, allow zero touchdowns, and still lose a playoff game. The Chiefs also hold the postseason record for most consecutive postseason losses with eight. The thing with the Chiefs is they have had a lot of great regular seasons in the 90s and the 2000s and this decade, especially with Andy Reid. Obviously in the 60s and in the early parts of the 70s, I mean, you had some success there. But man, come postseason time, this team just does not show up. Only four wins in the playoffs since the merger. One with... Pardon me, I take that back. Five. One with Hank Stram, one with Andy Reid, and three with Marty Schottenheimer. And I don't know really how to how to how to look at that. And I, I talked about this with Max Shepman, who joined me on the Chiefs on podcast yesterday. Big thanks to Max, and of course, congratulations to him. He's a big Steelers fan, and the Steelers earned it. They were by far the better team. But uh, you know, I, I asked him. I said, "Look." You're a Steelers fan. You have witnessed two Super Bowls in your life. And he's about the same age as me. I'm 25. I believe he's 24. I have only witnessed... I've been alive for more than one playoff game. But as far as having an actual memory, an actual recollection of everything with with the Chiefs, I only can recall one postseason win. And that was last year. Whereas a guy like Max, who's a Steelers fan... He's witnessed two Super Bowl wins and another Super Bowl appearance for the Steelers. If KU football is ranked high in in the college football rankings, everybody in Lawrence is going to have a parade over this. Because seeing KU football ranked is very uncommon. Happened briefly right around the Orange Bowl time. After that, they were ranked for a little bit, but then just completely fell off the college football platform. And, you know, I'll say the same thing about K-State basketball. If K-State basketball has any success, uh, if if they win the Big 12 alone, if they could prevent KU from winning the Big 12, and even if they were to lose the first round in the NCAA tournament, K-State fans would still call it a success. Whereas if the Patriots or the Steelers, if they suffer a loss in the first round or in their first game, if they have a bye week, that's considered a failure for them. I said on the podcast a couple of times that to me, in order for this season to be considered successful for the Chiefs, they have to make the playoffs. Now listen, if the Chiefs won this game but lost next week, I would still consider it a failure, but at least you lost to the Patriots, a team that has owned the NFL since 2001, five Super Bowl wins, or pardon me, four Super Bowl wins, two more appearances. They've been in the AFC title game just about every year or every other year. So when the Chiefs go 6-0, and win the AFC West for the first time since 2010, and have that first round bye, getting ready for a big game at Arrowhead, first postseason game at Arrowhead in six years, It felt like a parade. Everyone was excited about this. I can only imagine just how crazy we're going to go when and if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. So the way, I mean, you see the, this was, and I said this, this was the best I have felt in the Chiefs winning a Super Bowl since 2003. 
and they blew it. They fell flat on the biggest game of the season. Le'Veon Bell, 170 yards, 30 carries. I mean, look, I'm not going to say anything about that. He just had a great, great game. Anyone can talk about that. But I want to compare, and this is going to be a topic throughout the show with Alex Smith. Ben Roethlisberger and Alex Smith each had 20 completions. Uh, Big Ben had 20 completions out of 31. Smith completed 20 of 34. So Smith had three more attempts than uh, Roethlisberger. Now, out of those 20 completions for each player, who had more yards? Alex Smith's 20 completions translated to 172 yards. Big Ben, who had the same amount of completions, 20, had 224 yards. This is the definition and the difference between a great football team in the postseason and a good football team in the postseason or a mediocre team in the postseason. Because the Chiefs certainly weren't great in this game, at least from an offensive standpoint. Nor was the defense, and I'll get to that later. But Big Ben and this offense, uh, they did whatever they wanted to. They wanted to run the ball, go right ahead. 170 yards from Le'Veon Bell. They wanted to throw it, okay, and no problem. You have Antonio Brown who caught the ball six times for 108 yards, and you had Justin Houston on coverage uh, on Antonio Brown uh, twice. Uh, I don't know why. You're the arguably one of the best pass rushers in the NFL is covering one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I mean, and by the way, it's not like Houston was. Uh, he's going to allow that catch. He's a he's a pass rusher, not a cornerback or a safety. But he was so fast that he could actually keep up with Antonio Brown. But he couldn't. He he wasn't fast enough to get to Roethlisberger in this game. And again, I'll get to that in a moment. But uh, th- th- this Chiefs offense, man. Travis Kelsey had five catches for 77 yards, but the one thing that's going to be talked about is the pass he dropped at the 10-yard line in the third quarter. Could have given the Chiefs a big opportunity, and then, of course, acting like a knucklehead, you know, shoving a Pittsburgh player, costing the team 15 yards. Thankfully for him, Jeremy Macklin bailed him out of that drive right there, and I, I don't know, maybe that Pittsburgh Steeler was making fun of the show Catching Kelsey. Which, should, which honestly should be renamed to Dropping Kelsey. Uh, Travis Kelsey is starting to remind me of Dwayne Bowe a little bit. I hate to say it, but Dwayne Bowe kind of had that celebrity persona and thought he was all that and ended up dropping a lot of passes. Travis Kelsey is starting to do that a little bit, and I hate that because he really has a lot of potential, but he's got to have his head in the game. Uh, the only difference is Travis Kelsey is a hothead, whereas Dwayne Bode was never, and he never acted like that after a game. And I'll talk about, or during the game, I should say, after the game, there were some comments we'll get to with Travis Kelsey. But, you know, the drop from Kelsey, Charkandrick West, he was on his way to a first down right before halftime, and with no contact, nobody even around him, he just fumbles the football to right to the Steelers. Alex Smith could not connect with Jeremy Macklin on an easy touchdown play in the fourth quarter that he could have had. He also missed Tyree Kill wide open for a long touchdown pass that or could have been a t- touchdown pass twice. I posted one of the gifts on on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzim Vesugian. He just misses him. Doesn't even look uh, doesn't even throw in his direction. Jeremy Macklin or Chris Conley, I can't tell who it is. One of them's just on the bottom of their screen uh, on a on a short route there, and they turn their head to Tyreek Hill. Then they turn back to Smith, waiting for that pass to happen, and it never did. 
Give credit to the Pittsburgh Steelers coaching staff in this football game. Tyreek Hill was kept in check. He had three carries for 18 yards, four catches for 27 yards, four kick returns for 72 yards, and they punted the football out of bounds uh, in just the one time they were forced to punt. Uh, They did kick the football away from him uh, after uh, scoring on their opening drive, and it ended up going for a 25-yard return by Demetrius Harris. So they said, hey, look, uh, by the way, smart move by Dave Tobe. He knew that they were not going to kick to him. So Dave Tobe had to think strategically and and, and put some some of the faster guys uh, a little bit closer. So... Uh, and Demetrius Harris, I, I know Travis Kelsey gets talked about a lot more, but Demetrius Harris does have a lot of speed as well, and that that's a player who was able to give the Chiefs great field position, scoring a touchdown on the opening drive of their game uh, for, for their first offensive series. But all these opportunities, the drop at the 10-yard line, the fumble before halftime, didn't result in, into any points because there was only enough time for one play. But still... Uh, I mean, that's that, that. Those are things that are happening that are hurting the Chiefs, not just statistically on the field, but even mentally too. Smith unable to connect with Macklin and Hill on a couple of occasions where they were wide open. Uh, this just hurts. It really does. And again, uh, going back to giving the Steelers coaching staff credit as well as their personnel on the field. Let's not forget about that too. The Steelers allowed just one sack. And that was uh, D. Ford splitting it with Jenkins. Uh, Justin Houston was silent. Tom Bahali was non-existent. Uh, Dontari Poe he had one, he had one tackle for a loss. Chris Jones was nowhere to be found in this game. Those guys had trouble applying pressure. Ben Roethlisberger kept his jersey clean all game long. In fact, you can you don't even have to throw that jersey in the laundry. You don't you don't have to do anything to it. You can use that same exact jersey for next week when the Steelers go over to New England. Steelers were 7 of 15 on third down compared to Kansas City's 2 of 9 on third down. And the Chiefs, because they there was that sense of urgency right there, they had to convert on fourth down twice. And again, that's good the Chiefs were able to do that, but it's also good for Pittsburgh because that just shows that they had to they they forced the Chiefs to go for it on fourth down multiple times. The Steelers amassed, and this is the best part right here, okay? They amassed 389 yards. Despite no touchdowns. And again, this is where Mike Tomlin gets a lot of credit. This is why in football, you take the points with your kicker. I know field goals aren't exciting. They're not sexy. They're boring as hell. But you know what? At the end of the day, Chris Boswell got the Steelers 18 points. Six field goals. It's not the most ideal way to win, but it was more than what Kansas City had in this game. Steelers won time of possession by nine and a half minutes in the, in this game. And by the way, don't blame the refs. Do not blame the refs. I know that that holding call on Fisher. I mean that we can talk about that all all, all week long. And I'll just say this right now. And this is a quick shot at the NFL too. First of all. I don't care if you're in the media, if you're a scout, you're a player, you're a coach. I challenge somebody to explain what a holding call really is and what it, what a holding call isn't. What interference is and what interference isn't. What a catch is and what a catch is not. Or what isn't a catch, I should, I should say. What isn't a, a hold. 
there is a huge gray area in the NFL with their penalties, with holding and and pass interference, as well as what a catch is. I know we haven't necessarily had a controversial catch or no catch in a while, but I think to a lot of people, there's still a huge question mark hanging over a lot of people's heads over what, what a catch is. So, to me, man, this is this is the league league's fault. They're not very clear with their rules. A referee might call that holding call. Another referee might might let it go and not even say anything about it. I don't know. I I, I can't sit here. People have asked me, "Do you think that's a holding call right there? Do you think that was a hold?" I truly have no idea. I don't know what a hold is. Nobody does. I I think some of the more obvious holds, sure, we we can all throw a flag there, but. There are some cases where it just looks like a clean block and there's a flag for it. Other times, it doesn't even get called when it look, when there is an obvious hold. So I, I, I truly can't tell you what it is. I have some suggestions to that. Maybe they should add more officials with black hats on the field. And, you know, there are going to be more eyes on, on the action. You can prevent this a little more. Look, it's hard for those side judges who who have to watch the line. I mean, there are there's you've got five offensive linemen, and you know if it's a screenplay, all these offensive linemen and defensive linemen are, are going to be scattered all across the the line of scrimmage, and then in the pocket, maybe some of them fall back into coverage. Whatever the case is, they're just going to be so many guys that only two officials can really look out for, and it's not going to be easy to do. So again, the whole thing with Chris Conley getting hit, by the way, uh, the helmet-to-helmet hit, I know the, I immediately tweeted, eject him, but I knew you can't do that. The league has to implement a rule, and I'm glad Chris Conley is okay, by the way. He came back a couple plays later, but the league needs to start implementing a rule. All this talk about player safety, and, and we keep seeing all these lawsuits and complaints from current and former NFL players the league needs to start implementing a rule where the official has to put these players on a short leash. And if there's a helmet-to-helmet hit right there, you got to eject them. If you do that, if you put that rule in, I promise you defensive players are going to stop doing that. Because helmet, there's no place for helmet-to-helmet. It hurts the defenseless receiver. But man, I, I'm telling you, those defenders who do that... It's going to come back to haunt them one day. It's going to hurt their head. Maybe right then and there. Maybe eventually. But the league's got to do something about it to make these players stop doing it. Fines are not enough. Ejecting them and hurting them in the pocket, that's going to be nice. But I just don't know if Roger Goodell really cares that much about player safety. If so, I feel like that would have happened by now. Forget about... Andy Reid's history with the bye week. Forget about home field advantage. Because including the playoffs, Andy Reid's record after a bye with the Chiefs, so since 2013, his record after a bye, and again including the playoffs, is 3-2. and two. That's nothing fascinating. That's nothing worth getting excited about. Andy Reid's track record after a bye week gets talked about a lot, but to me, man... What are you what are you getting from that? 3 and 2, okay, barely above 500. 
you're you're not winning a lot more games than losing after a bye week. Bill Belichick since 2013. Same time frame that Andy Reid got to Kansas City. And again, this is also including the playoffs. Bill Belichick is 6-2 and two after a bye week. Why aren't we going up and down over Bill Belichick after a bye week? It's Andy Reid who gets talked about it. I get he's, what, 19 and... Four now, nineteen and four after a bye week, including the playoffs. Might be nineteen and three, but nonetheless, it's it, it's a pretty impressive record. Lately, however, he's three and two. That's what matters more to me than his overall record. I remember, uh, and I don't mean to bring up Dwayne Bow again, but I remember when Dwayne Bow was. Uh, it, you know, in 2014, when the Chiefs almost were about to go the entire season without throwing a touchdown pass to a receiver, uh, a lot of people talked about you know parting ways with Dwayne Bow. And I got a I got a tweet from somebody who said, "Why would we let go of someone who uh, led the NFL in receiving touchdowns in 2010?" And I responded, and I said, "Look, you just said 2010. This is 2014, and we're about to get ready for 2015. What have you done lately?" Dwayne Bow, he's dropped passes and can't get a touchdown. So, and I, I digress. I don't want to get too much into it. My, my point is, you can't focus on what someone's done overall in their career. It's what have they done lately. And for Andy Reid lately, after a bye week, since joining the Chiefs, he's 3-2. and two. And by all means, I, I'm going to get to Andy Reid in a moment. A lot of people want Andy Reid fired. They, uh, that's, that's a joke. I, I cannot buy that at all. But... To, to wrap up this game, uh, this recap, the Steelers came to play. They wanted it more. They were the much better team. The only thing Kansas City did better was score touchdowns. Sounds funny, right? You know, I mentioned the Chiefs have had some crazy different ways of winning football games. That, uh, that comeback against the Panthers and the way Marcus Peters just took the football away from uh, Kelvin Benjamin, if I'm not mistaken, uh, took the football away from him and the Chiefs line up for a field goal to win the game, to prevent overtime. Uh, that, that went over the Atlanta Falcons. The Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs took the lead because Atlanta took the lead. I mean, that's that's how the Chiefs won that football game, essentially. The game against the Broncos, where they were down by eight with two minutes to go in regulation, tied the game, barely doing so. And on top of that, uh, they won with that crazy game-winning field goal uh, from, uh, from Cairo Santos. So the fact that the Chiefs have had a lot of crazy ways of winning, the Steelers found... Uh, a crazy way to win. They, the Steelers channeled their inner Chiefs pretty much. They found a unique way to win a football game, kicking six field goals and getting outdone by the Chiefs when it came to touchdowns. But you know what? Those six field goals were more than enough. Got you 18 points. The Steelers formed a game plan, and on top of that, even a backup game plan. And that backup game plan was... If we cannot get touchdowns, take the field goals. Because they knew that the Chiefs' offense doesn't score much. And that the defense, their own defense, should be able to hold them. And in addition to that, let's avoid Tyreek Hill on special teams. Let's let's limit him. 
as well as doing so on offense, which they did. Let's let's silence that ferocious pass rush the Chiefs have, which they did. That's confidence. That's great execution. That's great coaching. That's swagger. That's everything all across the board for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they deserve to win this football game. They showed up to play and wanted it more. I want to get to Travis Kelsey because after the game, he went off on the officials and uh, even uh, promoted uh, a, a, a sports uh, a shoe store. So uh, here's Travis Kelsey talking about uh, Eric Fisher and the holding call after he talked about that after the game and also uh, continued to touch on uh, one of the officials uh, who made that call. That wasn't a hold on my guy, Eric Fisher, and I hope 7-2 doesn't go the entire offseason thinking it was his fault. That was uh, that was flat out. Um, and uh, from there, you know, uh, we'll go into the next season and um, and try not to let it in the, get in the ref's hands, but, you know. Okay, s- stop right there. He said not to let it get into the ref's hands. This is a guy who, by the way, has a TV show after himself called Catching Kelsey, dropped a pass at the 10-yard line. I get that he feels bad for Fisher and he, he wants to kind of deflect the media blame off him because Kelsey's got pretty thick skin. I mean, he definitely seems like it. Eric Fisher's a guy who, uh, you know, offensive linemen, they get sensitive when their quarterback goes down. They they, they take it pretty hard. Uh, maybe he's doing that, but at the end of the day, stop blaming the refs. You drop the pass at the 10 and then you act like a knucklehead pushing a player, costing your team 15 more yards and... Uh, they mentioned on the broadcast, it's not the first time he did that this season. Uh, he had that incident against the Jacksonville Jaguars where he went off on the ref. And by, by the way, I defended him for that because that, that that was, first of all, interference. Second of all, it could have been a possible injury on him. And the Jaguars were celebrating and so proud of that moment. So uh, I'm not going to blame him for that. But in this incident, that this instance, what he did, I don't know what reason you have to shove a player. I, I don't know what what he could have said. Again, a guy who appears to have a lot of thick skin. I don't, I don't know why he had he felt the need to do that. But anyway, here's the rest of the audio clip. The other one's controlling the game. This is the most bitter loss you've ever. I mean, it sucks. This sucks. It was an unbelievable play call. Last drives, Alex just drove us down there. Fourth down after fourth down, making plays, making plays. The momentum's getting on our side, and then just get our jugglers ripped out because ref felt bad for James Harrison falling on the, the ground. Um, it's ignorance. The ref number 51 shouldn't even be able to wear a zebra jersey ever again. He shouldn't even be able to work a <laughs> footlocker. Oh, that was great. Footlock shouldn't be able to work at an effing footlocker. Uh, by the way, footlocker responded on Twitter. Uh, they tagged Travis Kelsey. I, I actually went on their uh, Twitter page and said they have to respond to this. Because, listen, man, we're at an age now where a sense of humor is pretty important on social media. And if if one business gets talked about in a certain way, they've got to they've got to say something. And <laughs> uh, whoever the intern or the social media manager, whoever got on the Foot Locker Twitter page. Here's what they wrote. They said, hashtag we make good calls, and they tagged Travis Kelsey on that right there. So that's hysterical. Uh, I, I like that tweet. I, I retweeted it, uh, twitter.com slash farzine21 if you want to check it out. Uh, look, um, again, I'm, I'm, not the, I'm not the blame the ref guy. I'm, I'm just not. I, I'm, I'm really not. Uh, he made some mistakes in this game, and he's not taking – any accountability for it afterwards. 
I get everyone so emotional, and this was such a great season. Uh, you went six and zero in your division. You had all these things that went right for you this year, only to lose and score just sixteen points in the uh, in the playoffs when your opponent just scored eighteen. It's pretty tough. Andy Reid. I want to touch on him because. People are so critical of him after a loss, a very rare loss. And I get that the play calling is really bad, especially after a loss. It's talked about more after a loss than a win. But by all means, this is not a guy who you fire. If you want to fire Andy Reid, who do you replace him with and can still have the same amount of success with? You're not going to find anyone that can do that. Brought in Mike Vick at Philadelphia. He has helped troubled players with talent football professionally. He's developed guys who have sh- who sh- they've sucked through Eric Fisher and he's he's become a better tackle in the NFL. He's he's a Pro Bowl alternate, and we might be able to see Eric Fisher in the Pro Bowl this season. Obviously, would have liked to see him in a different bowl game, but uh, you know can't get them all. I guess. Here's what I'm going to say about Andy Reid. He I, I've said it before, but I'll say it again because there are people who want him fired. He turned a two-win football team to a, a, a team in 2013 to start 9-0, the last team to lose a game. The Chiefs have been above 500 each of the four years Reed has been here. That has not happened four consecutive seasons above 500 since 1994 through 97 with Marty Schottenheimer. He took the Chiefs to the playoffs in back-to-back years for the first time since the 1994 and 1995 seasons. He gave the Chiefs their first postseason win in 22 years. So for all you fire Andy Reid people, all you people on that camp, okay, let's fire him. Who do you bring in? Who do you replace him with that you can still get this kind of success with? I know, the regular season, you don't get any awards for the regular season. I get that. But the Chiefs are getting to the playoffs. That was the first step. Dick Vermeule only got to the playoffs once. Herm Edwards only got there once. Todd Haley got there once. Andy Reid's helped the Chiefs get there three times in four years. So there has been progress made with this franchise, with Andy Reid. The next step is start off. On the Facebook Live video that we did after the game, somebody did say, asked if they were right to feel that way. I can't blame anyone for feeling that way after a loss like that. And look, I know the Chiefs have not been the most high-powered offense, or Falcons have one of the highest-scoring offenses in NFL history this season. Three times. You beat Denver twice and the Panthers once. I know those two teams aren't in the playoffs, but still, that—I mean, that, that, that's something right there. That's a huge confidence builder. And by the way, that's still impressive because, for one, the Broncos were in the division mix right there. Had you not won that game at Denver, that crazy overtime win, Denver probably sneaks into the playoffs. Then you had that big win on Christmas night, which of course it's a holiday. You're playing the defending champions, and you want to punch them in the mouth and and go win big. And the Chiefs clinched a playoff spot and eliminated them by doing so. So all these things that you've accomplished under Andy Reid, going 43 and 21, one and three in the playoffs. Again, I know the postseason record isn't pretty, but again, they're making progress. Todd Haley was 0-1. Herm Edwards was 0-1. Dick Vermeil was 0-1 in the playoffs with the Chiefs. Andy Reid has four playoff games with the Chiefs already. They're getting to the postseason, and if they can make some adjustments, 
that Super Bowl shot becomes a reality. And if I'm Clark Hunt, I do sit down with Andy Reid, evaluate this season and the four years so far in Kansas City and start talking about play calling duties. Sure, maybe maybe the case could be made from Reid that he could hold on to the play calling duties because the team won 12 football games this year while Reid called the plays, which sounds crazy, but it's true. However, you can also make the opposite case and say, more importantly, the the defense allowed in the biggest game of the season, the playoff game, the one because look what happened when you handed the play calling to do, duties to Doug Chief's offense. And I get the schedule got a lot easier, but still, no one saw that coming. Be moving on to Buffalo and uh, reuniting there with a with a former assistant coach that you know you've got these connections there uh, there in the NFL. But in uh, Childress might be uh, Childress wants to be a play caller, and if he is a play caller, that will eventually help him uh, land a head coaching job somewhere else down the road. He knows he's not going to be the play caller here, so he's going to move on somewhere else. I don't know what it's going to take for Andy Reid to hand the play calling duties off to someone else. Obviously, Doug Peterson did a fantastic job, which landed him a head coaching gig. So why not give it to Childress? Because I think that could be the difference in Childress staying or leaving for Buffalo. I really do. And I don't know what the point is of having co-offensive coordinators if neither of them are going to be the play callers. I truly don't know what, what what's the point of having co-offensive coordinators. We, we don't even see that in the NFL. It's common in college sports to have co-coordinators, but I don't get the point of that in the NFL, especially when neither of them are, are, are calling plays. I want to get to Alex Smith in the quarterback situation uh, in, a, in a moment, but give me two minutes to talk about this Tyreek Hill issue. We here in Kansas City and as Chiefs fans, uh, we know the story. We've heard it a ton of times. Uh, we know he is doing what is asked of him by the Chiefs to, to rebound from the incident off the field. He's doing stuff to, to, to make up for it. And again, Andy Reid said this in press conferences before. He's doing what the Chiefs are asking him to do off the field, which is great. You know, he, He's doing what he needs to, to, to make up for his mistake. Uh, when he got drafted, Bob Fasco of 610 Sports was vocal about this, strongly against this, and, and a lot of people were behind him on that. People were on, what happens? Uh, is he going to be forgiven? That, that because he's been good on the field with the Chiefs. Not just on the field, but off the field too. I'm hoping he can recover from this. I'm a huge fan of an undercover. By the way, for those who don't watch it, it's a it's a show about it's a reality show about businesses. The president or CEO, basically the uh, the top person in the business, they put on a wig or something. I mean, they dress up completely differently. That way, they don't get recognized, and they start working in the front line with their employees, and they try to figure out, you know, what's their line of work like. And uh, there was one guy on Undercover Boss, of uh, a, a, a woman who was a mayor. She went undercover to work with a guy, and there was a guy who came out of prison and was trying to rebound, going to the right direction. And that mayor was impressed by it. She was happy to see this guy go into the right direction with his life. Same thing with Tyree Kill. He's doing what he needs to do to go into a better track with his life personally. While getting a second shot to win the Super Bowl. And again, don't get when he came back to MMA. Before he made another stupid mistake. I rooted for Larry Johnson. I feel like he deserves to be part of the Chiefs Ring of Honor. Because he is third all time in, in rushing yards. In franchise history. Everyone is so quick to refer to him as a woman beater. But. 
are Chiefs fans are sensitive when Tyreek Hill gets criticized, and that is absolutely hypocritical. Why is it that we get so critical of Larry Johnson, but get so defensive for t- what Tyreek Hill did? And people might say, "Well, Tyreek Hill was in college." I don't buy that. I don't buy that, man. I was in college too. I, I never got in trouble. I never got arrested. Oh, but Farzine, you were never a collegiate athlete. You were. You were never, you know, on the spotlight. Okay, Jamal Charles was a football and a track. A lot of people, a lot of people in college who are on the spotlight. There are only a couple of them. So that's not an excuse I buy. There are a lot of people who are... I think that's a huge, an erroneous excuse that people make for him. So listen, uh, the reason I bring this up is because the national media... They touched on Hill quite a lot last week leading up to this big postseason game. Listen, guys, it won't go away. It's never going to go away for as long as he's playing. Very similar to Mike Vick in the dogfighting incident. He signed with the Steelers last year. Guess what? Fans created a petition, signed it, and wanted to send him out of out of Pittsburgh. When and if Tyreek Hill leaves Kansas City, hopefully not, but if he does end up going to another football team, guess what? That topic is going to become is going to become a a subject, and that fan base they're going to be outraged. They're going to say, "Why did we get this? Why did we get this guy?" It's not going to go away. And as Chiefs fans, we can ignore it. We can do whatever, but just understand that if you are a Tyree Kill defender, whether it's on social media or you know, in person, when you come across, you meet a you meet a few Chiefs fa- or other NFL fans. Uh, g- good luck trying to defend them because you're not going to win that battle. You're just not. Uh, I-, I saw EA Sports Madden. They uh, wrote a tweet, uh, wrote a post on Facebook saying uh, that Tyreek Hill. They they uh, they always update the rosters each week and they update the player skills. And Tyreek Hill is now officially the fastest player on Madden. The number one comment was the incident. Someone brought to decide whether you want to respond to it or just ignore it. And as Chiefs fans, even though his girlfriend forgave him, that doesn't still make it right. They're going to keep bringing it up, and it's always going to be a topic. It's up to you how you... Final subject before I sign off here. Uh, this uh, Wherever you go, the quarterback is always going to be the biggest topic. And Alex Smith hasn't necessarily been flashy since he got to Kansas City, but his best stats have been under Andy Reid here in KC. Now, I'm going to say this. For those who want a new quarterback, and by the way, the Chiefs, they can part ways with Alex Smith this coming off season for the first time ever and not take a cap hit. So you do have that flexibility. With that said, you've got to have a replacement. Okay. Let's. I'm going to give you guys a list. I've said this before, but if you haven't heard it before, you're in for a treat. I'm going to give you the list of players who are currently without a, again without a contract and could hit free agency. Number one is Kirk Cousins. I think seven or eight teams. If Kirk Cousins becomes available, I think they're now. Who's the best quarterback that could hit free agency after Kirk? Cousins? I gave you Kirk Cousins. That's one. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Case Keenum, Sean Hill, Matt Schaub, Matt McGloin, E.J. Manuel, former Missouri Tiger, Blaine Gabbert. Are you guys screaming yet? Are you guys are you guys go, going crazy? No? Okay, I'll keep going then. I'll give you two more. Matt Castle and Mark Sanchez. 
Yeah, now you're going crazy because you heard Matt Castle and Mark Sanchez. Those are the top 10 veteran QBs that are without a contract right now. The market for quarterbacks in free agency this year, not very good. And, and quite honestly, I think Kirk Cousins goes back to, to Washington. I truly do. He's going to get a big payday, too, because he knows he's the only good quarterback available. And seeing how guys like Brock Osweiler got a big payday from the Texans, I think you're, I do think he goes back to Washington. And, well, listen, Washington's going to need him because otherwise they're not going to be this season. It's a pretty crappy group outside of quarterbacks. Now let's go to the draft. And these are the rankings from WalterFootball.com. Deshaun Kaiser from Notre Dame is ranked as the best quarterback right now. Mitch Trubisky from North Carolina, number two. Pat Mahomes from Texas Tech. And then Deshaun Watson from Clemson, who just led Clemson to a huge national title upset win over Alabama. He's projected to go anywhere from the first round to the fourth round. Uh, Now, as far as the projections and the rankings go, a lot can happen from now until the draft. Combine. Interviews, private workouts, pro days. Some of these players end up failing drug tests or getting in trouble off the field, and that can hurt the days unfold leading up to April 27th, which is the first day of the draft. Here, Let's look at some of the recent quarterbacks that have went to the Super Bowl with their teams, and let's see if we can find some commonalities with this list. Let's start with... Uh, what year should we start with? Let's start with 2003. Or pardon me, 2004. 2004, you had Patriots-Panthers. Jake Delomi went undrafted, for, but ended up playing with the Panthers. Tom Brady was uh, drafted by the Patriots, so he's played with the same team for a while now. 2005, you had Tom Brady and Donovan McNabb, both drafted by their respective teams, the Patriots and the Eagles. 2006, Ben Roethlisberger and Matt Hasselbeck. Hasselbeck was drafted by the Packers, ended up in Seattle. Grossman, both of them drafted by their respective teams. Now, I know Rex Grossman didn't a big playmaker, not a big factor, but still uh, did his job in, in 1998. In 2008, it was Giants versus Eli Manning, was drafted by the by the Chargers, but was traded by the same team on the, uh, pardon me, on the same day by the Giants. So even though Eli Manning was not drafted by the Giants, he's been with them since since he got drafted, essentially. So I, I guess we could sit there and say that he got drafted by the Giants. They traded their draft pick to get him. So Tom Brady spent his entire career drafted by the Patriots. Eli Manning, he's played every single game in his career with the Giants. 2009, Roethlisberger again in the Super Bowl. Drafted by the same team he's, he's been playing with, the Steelers. Kurt Warner on the other side went undrafted. And Manning, Peyton Manning, of course, drafted by the Colts. Drew Brees, again, he's the, he's the rare. 2011, you have Aaron Rodgers versus Ben Roethlisberger. Both Roethlisberger, as we've heard a couple times, by the Steelers. 2012, Eli Manning, again with the Giants. Uh, Ravens 49ers, both of them drafted by their respective teams. 2014, Seahawks versus Broncos. Russell Wilson and Peyton Manning. Again, very rare switch where, where you see Peyton Manning go to another team and, and lead a team to a Super Bowl like uh, Kurt Warner and Drew Brees did. Russell Wilson, he was drafted by the Seahawks. 2015, Brady and Will, Russell Wilson, not going to say it again. 2016, last year's Super Bowl, you had Peyton Manning get there and you had Cam Newton, two guys who were each drafted 
first overall. Cam Newton, uh, of course, led the Panthers. Are you guys noticing a trend here? The teams that are getting to the Super Bowl, the, the Super Bowls, they're doing it consistently. It's because they drafted a guy. They drafted Tom Brady. They drafted Ben Roethlisberger. They drafted Peyton Manning. He can, of course, take any team to the Super Bowl. Eli Manning has taken the Giants to multiple Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers, same thing. He was drafted by the Packers, and he's taken them, uh, or correction, actually, he's only been to one Super Bowl. Could be on his way to a second, though, uh, in 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 a week. You get the idea, though, right? A lot of these teams that are getting to the Super Bowl consistently, it's because they drafted that, that player and developed him. The Chiefs have to do that. I'm saying it now. I've been a huge fan of Alex Smith. He's a big difference in what the Chiefs have had since Trent Green. He's taken a, a, is a huge reason why the Chiefs have won games. But he's never been that big, deep threat passer. You just don't have that. I know people might say, well, he's doing enough to win games. Sure. But is that why the Chiefs won 12 games? Absolutely not. That's horrible. This offense has so much. These have tons of talent across the offense with their wide receivers and the speed their their players have. A lot of maybe you should explore a new running back this offseason. Maybe Jamal ends up coming back. Uh, who knows? But you have to draft a new quarterback. Colin Cowherd disagrees. He wants the Chiefs to go a different route with with their quarterback situation. Here's what. He wants the Chiefs to do. But if you want to win championships, and I think that's Andy Reid's goal, I think you have to start looking for the next guy aggressively via trade, Garoppolo, if he's out there. Don't kid yourself. Of all the teams that could use an emerging dynamic quarterback, nobody in the NFL has more elite players at their disposal than Kansas City. New England could say, I want a first-round pick, I want Eric Berry, I want Poe in the middle of that defense, and I want Travis Kelsey. And you know what? For Jimmy Garoppolo, you probably do it. What? The one team that doesn't get talked about with Jimmy Garoppolo, Kansas City. They have got eight, nine elite players. New England defensively could use a couple and a draft pick. I wonder if Andy Reid this morning is thinking about that. Let me just first off say I'm a huge Colin Coward fan. He's a really intelligent guy. That was that that can't be Colin Coward speaking. That has to be someone like in disguise who showed up to work and just said that on, on the air on Fox Sports Radio and on FS1. Again, he wants the Chiefs to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's saying that New England should ask for this in return. New England could say, I want a first-round pick, I want Eric Berry, I want Poe in the middle of that defense, and I want Travis Kelsey. Okay, um, first of all, Dontari, Poe, and Eric Berry are without contracts, so there's a possibility that Sunday evening, Sunday night, was their last game with the Chiefs. Hopefully not, but that'll be a topic later, later this week. Uh, so... That trade possibility is out the window. Uh, uh, unless you somehow can convince Eric Berry and Don Taripo to be stupid and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to sign you and then we're going to trade you for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I, listen, uh, I know being a national guy, it, it comes with a territory. 
you've got to pay close attention to everything. And I think it's possible Colin Cowherd didn't do his research in knowing that those guys are without contracts. Because you cannot trade a guy if they if they're not under contract. It just doesn't work like that. Um, even if they were under contract, uh, really, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, he uh, of course he's famously known for filling in for Tom Brady against the Chiefs on that Monday Night Football game a couple of years ago. He he filled in for uh, for Tom Brady for four games this year while Brady served his suspension. And by the way, if the Patriots win again since their Deflategate uh, drama, well, the first time they won it, uh, no one no one got fined or suspended yet. If they win it this time, after the suspensions have taken place, after the fines, that'll be a really awkward moment where they uh, do the trophy presentation. But anyway. Uh, what what did Colin Cowherd what does Colin Cowherd see that convinces him or or what it, what has he been told because he has sources that not many people have what does he know about Jimmy Garoppolo that we don't I think that's a fair question to ask because from my standpoint I'm not trading those guys and a first round pick for a backup. I'm not trading three pro bowlers and a potentially fourth pro bowler for a backup. Now, if I'm trading for Tom Brady, hell yes, I do it. Tom Brady can make Demetrius Harris Travis Kelsey if he wants to. He can make uh, Jeremy Macklin. He can make he can make him Randy Moss, a former receiver he used to work with. He can make Tyreek Hill Julian Edelman. Okay, if if that if we're talking about Tom Brady, yeah, I'll take that trade. I'll take a four-time, maybe five-time Super Bowl champion for those three guys. I I just would. As great as Eric Berry's been, as great as Travis Kelsey is. Uh, those are not guys who ultimately lead you to a Super Bowl win. Tom Brady does. So, uh, I, I listen, man. I've heard, uh, I've heard topics and opinions that I strongly disagree with, and then there's this that I don't agree with. Nonetheless, the Chiefs have got to do something. And in my opinion, because of what I just read, that list and how teams have gotten to the Super Bowl with the quarterbacks they have drafted you've got to draft a quarterback you've got to follow the trend Andy Reid's got to do that and to me Deshaun Watson's a big stud I think he would be great he really does remind me of Mike Vick and I think he would fit perfect he'd be perfect for Andy Reid's offense he would fit right in with this offense and I think with his ability to throw the ball deep and also run the ball and use the talent around him I think Kansas City turns into a Super Bowl caliber offense with that defense. If you can hopefully retain Eric Berry and even Dontari Poe, that'd be even better. Then you've got guys like Jay Howard and Alan Bailey coming back. Hopefully Derek Johnson and Tom Bahali as, as well. I know Tom he wasn't injured, but still very limited on his snaps. Hopefully Jamal Charles can be 100% and play a full season because th- it, to me, with all of that and Deshaun Watson, 
I can see a lot of potential to to go deep and maybe even be a team that could go to a. Colin Cowherd just said there's no team that has more elite players at their positions than the Chiefs, and he's absolutely right about that. And I think that's what makes losing the, the, on Sunday so rough. You have the talent. You've got to. You, you just have one position, and that's the quarterback position. I appreciate everything Alex Smith has done, but this year with the 15 touchdowns in his. He what? He missed one game against the Jaguars. He missed half of the Colts game. So in his fourteen and a half games this year, you got fifteen touchdowns. That's not a quarterback in the NFL. That you just can't do that. How often is it that teams have a QB with fifteen touchdowns and still make it to the playoffs? I know the Royals made it to the postseason multiple times without their. Without a high-powered offense, without high-powered bats, but they they at least turned it up in the postseason. Alex Smith had, had a history of that, but he didn't do that this time around. I mentioned the numbers last podcast, but that's in the past, and we've got to let go of the past. Kind of like how I, I, I'm, I talked about Andy Reid in the bye week. Listen, I know it's a, it's a tough loss, but... You know, the sun came up Monday, and, uh, you know, we all went to our normal lives. I Listen, I do think the Chiefs are a couple close steps away from getting to a Super Bowl. I truly do. couple adjustments needed. The play calling, got to draft a quarterback, and at that point, I think we can start talking about how deep this Chiefs team could go. Now, a rookie QB has never won a Super Bowl. The youngest we've seen is Ben Roethlisberger in his second year. So it could come pretty soon if the Chiefs do it right. Because they've got the talent, they've got to trade up and, and get something, get a get that great QB. And listen, I don't know where Deshaun Watson would fall. I don't know what the what the projections will say in April. We'll see. I would love Deshaun Watson here in Kansas City. But let's keep this in mind, guys. The Royals didn't roll over when they lost to the Giants in the World Series. They came back the following year and they won. The Lakers in 2007 when they lost to the Celtics. They beat the Magic in the NBA Finals the following year. Then the year after that, they got their revenge on the Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals. And I did say 2007, I I meant 2008. They beat the Magic in 2009, and then they beat the Celtics. They got their revenge on the Celtics in 2010. Conor McGregor lost to Nate Diaz, his first loss in the UFC. Probably the the most stunning loss in in the UFC this past year. What did he do? He got his rematch and he beat Nate Diaz in a grueling five-round match. He got his redemption. The Chiefs aren't going to roll over. Andy Reid's not going to quit battling. This Chiefs team will come back and hopefully they can learn from their mistakes this season and come back stronger in 2017. We're going to continue the topic. We're going to continue talking about the Chiefs throughout the offseason. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. I almost said the old uh, link right there. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian is my Facebook page. Please give it a like. Follow me on Twitter. Twitter.com slash Farzine21. And uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Share it on Facebook, Twitter. Let a friend know about it. Hit the subscribe button. And uh, it'll download automatically on your library or on your iPhone on the podcast app uh, whenever a new episode is available. We'll have another episode later in the week recapping the season and uh, just seeing uh, moving forward what position should the Chiefs go after through free agency and the draft we'll touch on that later this week I'm Farzim Vasugan thank you guys so much talk to me on social media let me know your guys' thoughts on some of the subjects we discussed and uh, maybe I'll read some of them 
on uh, on the podcast for the next episode. Until then, talk to you guys later this week. Take care.